And uh, I know we have a ton of people traveling right now, but we're happy to come here. We're happy to gather together. And, and I always say this, uh, you know, some of the best things I've ever been associated with in ministry uh, were not when you had your highest numbers, but when you had people that were just hungry to be there. And so we're so happy that you're here. We're happy for the new year starting up. But again, I hope you had a great Christmas season. I hope that it was filled with Jesus. I hope that you made some memories with families and loved ones. And I, I really hope that your heart uh, w- w- was touched and that this year your, your goals would not necessarily be to make more money, to get promotions, but really our goal would be to get closer to Jesus, to be full of Jesus so that we can uh, touch the lives of people around us. You know, at the beginning of the year, or at the end of the year, moving toward the beginning of the year, uh, I, I hope that you started thinking about the possibilities that could be in 2019. And, uh, you know, I know that I know that a lot of people will make uh, New Year's resolutions and they break them by the 15th of January. You know, I know that uh, if you go to a gym, the gym is full, so full the first week of February that most people I know that are serious about the gym, they just take off that first week and just, you know, let all, let, let all the newbies wear themselves out. But if you think about it, a new year, a new season of our life, hopefully it should bring about the expectations that we can, that we can make, make, uh, make personal and, and spiritual improvements and that we can take new ground in the upcoming year. You know, if we, I think that one of the most important things is we have to be honest with ourselves and we have to evaluate, you know, where, where, we've, where we've been at, you know, where, where we have been at, what we've done, and, and really uh, just think about where we want to be. Uh, you know, really the expectation is, if you want to think about it this way, where would you like to be? at this time next year, because a lot of times we, 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 have all these, we have all these dreams, and a dream is when you wish something happened in your life, but you haven't made any plans to get there. That, that, that's the dream. It's a pipe dream. A dream is that, you know, supernaturally things are just going to happen in my life, and God, God does do things supernaturally, but usually he wants us to put some planning in, and he wants us to, be, to put some self-discipline into the game as well. But here, here's, the, here's the thought is, as you read the Bible, the Bible is very clear that every one of us are unique. Every one of us are specifically and specially designed. And, and God has great things in store for your life. God wants to do great things in your life. And he wants to use you to do great things in our world with his power that is, that is, that is working within us. And I think we have to take a step back. I think, uh, you know, I've been in the church all my life, and, and uh, my dad was a pastor. And I, I, I think, you know, every year it seems to be that the church forgets what the church is supposed to do. Can I get an amen? We've all been guilty. And, you know, church is not just somewhere for you to be blessed. It is. It is somewhere for you to be blessed. But it's, the church is also, if you read the book of Acts, which talks about the first 100 years of the church, and, and really the birth of the church is that, yes, people's lives, they were being blessed in church, but the church was becoming a, it was a blessing to the world. And, and the thing is that if we have Jesus in our lives, it shouldn't be self-contained. It should be lived out. It should be 
expressed, uh, you know, to others. Here's, here's what I thought. Here's what I found. I'll, I'll use myself as, the, as an example because when I use myself, it usually makes other people feel better. So I'm going to use myself. I'm going to throw myself under the bus, okay? Here's what I've noticed. In life, my greatest problem, my greatest barrier to overcome is me. Every day when I get up and look in the mirror, it's am I, over gonna, am I gonna overcome that? It's, you know, it, it, it's not so much the devil, it's not culture, it's not society. It's, it, it's this, it's, am, am I disciplined enough to crucify my flesh? Can I get out of my own, out of, out of my own way? You know, there was a, this story, this, this young man, and he, he was very ambitious, and in, in his 20s, uh, he, he wanted to change the world. And that didn't happen so well. So in his 30s, he decided to change his country. And that was tough, too. So in his, in his 40s, he decided uh, to change his city. And in his 50s, he decided, well, I'm just going to take this to the local community. In his 60s, he said, well, I'm just going to start with my neighborhood. And in his 70s, he's like, you know, I think I'm just going to try to change me. I think I'm just going to try to try to change me. And so the battle we have in living for Jesus and really not settling for a second, the biggest battle we have is ourselves. If we can defeat ourselves, uh, you know, the Bible calls it our flesh, our, our sin nature. Uh, you know, we have great potential to do incredible things. And when I'm talking about ourselves and as we go through life, and, and I, I found this, uh, this is been quite interesting to me. Um, I just turned 49 yesterday. Uh, you can leave cards and things on the stairs out there. If you don't, don't feel bad. Cash is accepted. Don't feel bad if you forgot. I'm kidding. But here's what, here's what I've noticed. Every year I get older, the harder it is to be self-disciplined for me. I, I remember when Trace and I first got married, we're both working like crazy. Uh, I'm going to school full-time. I'm working full-time. There, there, I, sometimes I would go three or four days without even getting hardly any sleep, just pushing through, going to work, going to school, and just very, very disciplined. Of course, I was in the military. But what I notice is, you know, as I get older, it, it becomes harder to get up at five like I did every day of my life from 18 to 30. It's easier just to not set the alarm and get a couple extra hours of sleep. So what I'm finding for myself is, is we have to really focus and stay disciplined because when you are and you keep it going, it is easy, but it's so easy to get out of the way. And so many times after we've been Christians a long time, things that we used to do, we let slip. And so the biggest thing we have to overcome to reach our God-given potential is, is ourselves. Um, family life, from the very beginning, we always, we have a week of prayer and fasting, uh, the first full week of January, so a week from tomorrow, um, Monday, Monday, January 7th, so next Monday through, through the Friday, we'll have a week of prayer and fasting, and our, the building is open every evening. We have an hour of, of prayer for whoever, whoever uh, wants to come. But here's, here's what I found in my personal life. I've discovered for me, for me, that the best way to give my spiritual life a jolt, and I mean it is a jolt, 
is through prayer and fasting. It is if I'm off course, if I'm getting lazy, if I'm getting undisciplined, if, if, if I can, you know, begin to fast and pray, pray for God's power in my life, pray for guidance, deliverance, direction. Uh, when, I, when I do that, I, I've disco- I discover that nothing helps get me back on track quicker and faster than fasting. And, and yet, mo- I, w- I would suggest that probably, probably 80 to 90% of Christians have never really fasted. And it's not your fault. You've never, you don't even know what it, really what it is. It's, never, it's not taught that much anymore. Uh, you know, it's funny in church today, we're scared to teach about things that, 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 may co- that may cost you a little sacrifice. We just want to make everybody feel good. And I know this, um, you know, you can feel good about yourself, but if you become the right person, you'll feel a whole lot better. You'll become a whole lot better. So let me just talk about fasting. And I, always, I do this on the Sunday after Christmas because everyone comes in here thinking that they need to eat less. So I'm just going to help you out, you know. We're just going to go right with that theme. Everyone says, I overate, you know, uh, whatever. I need to eat less, so I'm, I'm going to help you out with that. So what, what is fasting? Simply put, fasting is a voluntary missing of a life need. If you look it up in the encyclopedia, it says this. It's the practice of abstaining from food either completely or partially for a specified period of time. And uh, it's very interesting, but we have this thought, and I just want to help you with this. Food is not the most basic, essential life need. Actually, it's number four. The first one is air. We have to have air more than anything else. I mean, you can only hold your breath for, you know, a couple minutes. You're going to pass out. Then your body breathes again. So we have to have air or we die. Uh, The second one, of course, is water. Our body has to have water. And the third, believe it or not, is sleep. Sleep is above food. Isn't Isn't that crazy? And so actually you can go a long, long time, especially Americans, we can go a long, long time before we would die of starvation. And of course, again, little is said today in the church, in, in the Christian circles about fasting. But I found it very interesting this year. One of, one of the new, like if, if you do whatever news feed you, you look on, but there were two diets that were really popular this year. The keto diet, you know? Okay, y'all, y'all don't look at diets, okay. But, keto, you know, the state of ketosis, you know, uh, cutting sugars and carbs. It, it's basically uh, like the Atkins diet almost, a little different. So that one, but you know, you know the second search, and, and the second most popular diet this year was intermittent fasting. Yeah, people lost an incredible amount of weight by intermittent fasting. What it is is, is uh, you, you eat, you wait like 12 to 16 hours between your dinner and when you eat the next day. You just give your body uh, time to rest, and recover, and uh, you know, it, it was interesting. I want to encourage you, there was a book that was written a number of years ago by a guy named Paul Bragg. He's, he's a PhD, and he's, a, he's got a, a degree in nutrition, and uh, he was very sickly as a child, and he, 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 he started getting in the Bible and reading about fasting, and then he started talking to doctors. They talked about how healthy it was for your, for, for your body, and he began reading the Bible, and he saw Genesis, I believe it's Genesis 6-3, where God said, I'll give man 120 years. And he, he believed that, man, if, if, you know, if we eat healthy and begin fasting and different things like this, that we could easily get to 120 years old. That the, one of the main problems 
we have that's killing us is overeating and eating the wrong things. And so someone always asks, well, uh, did he wrote a book called The Miracle of Fasting. Pretty incredible. Uh, I encourage you to read that. Uh, but anyway, the, the, my whole point is that it's actually good for our body. It gives your body a break, gives your body a time uh, to cleanse itself. But um, someone always asks me, well, did he live to be 120? I mean, he wrote this book. He did all these seminars. He made a ton of money promoting this. He didn't make it to 120. He died at 97. He was out surfing in San Diego, and a teenager hit him in the head with a surfboard. So if you're surfing at 97, it, it must it, it must work work pretty pretty well. Uh, so anyway, it, it's actually really really good for your body. But in the Bible, there are 55 references to fast and fasting, and and I believe we would all agree when reading our Bible, if the Bible says something once, that's that's you know pretty it's important we should consider it. Uh, if it says something several times, two, three, four, five times, ten times, but 55 times, 55 times in the Bible, it refers uh, to fast and fasting. And uh, so, although it's not mentioned much today, in the early church, fasting was one of the spiritual disciplines of the early church. It's something that they did uh, consistently, regularly. Uh, spiritual discipline is just like Bible reading, prayer, fellowship, acts of service. Fasting was one of the core uh, disciplines of, of the church. So let me, let me give you a couple words here. Of course, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek. And the history of fasting, the word fast derived from the Hebrew word is psalm, and the Greek word is nesteia. And both of these words refer to self-denial. So fasting had to do with self-denial. Furthermore, if you, as you read the Bible, you find really that every, every incredible man and woman of God, people in the Bible that just stand apart from others, you find that all of them fasted. I mean, if you go to you know, Elisha, Elijah, Moses, John the Baptist, Paul, Daniel, Samuel, Ezra, Esther and Hannah, and of course Jesus and his disciples fasted. The Bible, the Bible mentions three, three kinds of fasting. Just if you've never heard of this before or you're not sure. The first one is, is just what they call the normal fast. The normal fast is going without food for a definite period of time. Uh, you know, just the normal one-day fast would be if you, you did not eat fat food for a 24-hour period and you just drank water. That's kind of the basic normal fast. Some people, um, you know, drink juices or whatever, but the, the, the duration varies really from one day, three days, uh, to one week or longer. Another fast that's mentioned in the Bible, which you and I cannot do, but I just want to let you know that it's there, is called the absolute fast. And that is when you don't eat any food and you don't drink any liquids for a number of days. And of course, uh, you know, two men in the, in the Bible did this. One of them was Moses. Uh, it, in Exodus 34, 28, it says, Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights, of course, on Mount Sinai without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So although it's in the Bible, you and I are not, we're not supposed to do that because that will kill you. But the normal fast and the third one is the partial fast. And this is where you omit certain foods or you're on a schedule that includes limited eating. It may consist of skipping uh, one meal a day or just eating one meal. And it may include, uh, uh, you know, 
you know, getting away from fatty foods, sugary foods, and just eating uh, vegetables and things like that, fruits and vegetables. Um, where we get this term, really, it's, it's sometimes this is called the Daniel fast. And we get that from Daniel chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. And of course, this is when Daniel and his friends were taken uh, to Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar. And they're there to be trained to put in the royal service. And they, make, they want to make these Hebrew boys eat food they've never eaten before. Uh, you know, I don't know, fatty, real heavy foods and, and wine and things. And so in Daniel chapter 1, 11 through 12, Daniel says, it says, Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. And then compare our appearance with that of the young men who, ate the ro- who, who, who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal, the royal food. So, you know, again, fasting, it's, it's really a time of, it's not just that you don't eat or, you, or you're very guarded with your eating, but it's supposed to be a time of intense spiritual focus. It's supposed to be a time where we, we cut out all the unnecessary distractions of life. Uh, do you, any of you have any unnecessary distractions? I'm not talking about the one sitting next to you. That, that's put there by God, okay? That's not an unnecessary distraction, okay? I'm, but, I, but think about all the times, you know, computer, television, social media, hobby. Think about all the ways that we waste time. And so what I'm asking is when you, when you set a time of fasting, so say a week of fasting, what you're saying is, man, instead of watching TV, I'm just going to pray and read my Bible. You know, instead of getting on social media and wasting hours, instead of doing things that really have no spiritual benefit, man, I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to, I'm going to you know, fast. I'm going to seek Him and ask Him, you know, to, 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 really, to really help me. So to participate in the discipline of fasting, the first thing you have to do is you have to dethrone King's stomach. We, we all have a king in our lives, and if you if you never met King Stomach, just look straight down into your lap right now. Now you have been properly introduced, okay? And so King Stomach, uh, one time I had a, we had a couple in our church, and, and uh, we went to their house for dinner one, e- one evening, and I was looking, she had a, I, I've always encouraged people to keep a spiritual notebook. Like when you come to church, take notes, and, and uh, because you may not need the message then, but in six months you may need it. If you have a spiritual notebook, you can just flip back through, and if, you know, if we're talking about depression or whatever we're talking about, you have scriptures right there lined up to go. So I was looking through this lady. She had a spiritual notebook right there from, from my sermons, and I was looking through it as they were preparing stuff, and she had beautiful handwriting, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I think her notes are better than my sermons, you know? I mean, this is, like, beautiful. And I was like, I was so happy. I'm like, wow. She comes every week. She takes my takes notes, you know, I ask her to do a spiritual notebook, I, this is like incredible. And so I'm going through it, I'm just reading, I'm just reading a little bit and going through, and on one of them, there's a little side note on the side, and it says, so are we going to Taco Bell for lunch? Now that's King's Stomach right there. That's King's Stomach right there. If you're thinking about where you're going to lunch, that's King's Stomach talking. You got to shut him down. Shut her down, okay? 
But think, think about this. I, I, I started, you know, I was raised in church, and I, I started fasting. Uh, I did my first fast when I was like 16 years old. And, uh, you know, I heard the, the people talking about it, having a week of prayer and fasting. And so I think I, I fasted my first day with just water when I was 16 years old. And, I, like, I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die, but I, I'm going to be a tough guy, so I'm going to do it. And I'll be honest with you, I'll be honest with you, I don't even know how much praying I did because I was so hungry. You do know, like, if you haven't eaten, if you've eaten any time, you know, after a few hours, you feel hunger pains. You do know those aren't true hunger pains, right? That's because your stomach is stretched out, right? You've been eating so much food, okay? But I, but I, but I did that. And then the next year, I did two days. And what I, what I noticed is, in, in, in my life, as I, as I started fasting and different things, is, you know, I, then I went to the military. And sometimes in the military, you just miss meals. You're out in the field. You're out doing things. And I noticed that everyone else always wanted to eat, and I'm, I'm okay. Hey, I've gone, I've gone two days without eating. It's no big deal. And then, of course, when I was on the staff at, at Family Life in, um, in, in, uh, in Lafayette, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I kept trying to do this. And, 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 and one time I did a 30-day fast, no food, you know. And, and you did, I did get hungry, okay. But my, my point is, years later, I'd be going on mission trips around the world and you know, sometimes I'm in India for a number of days, and I just, I, just, I just can't physically eat what they have in a different place in the world. And you know, you know what? It's like it, hasn't, it, it doesn't hurt me because, you know, fasting has, has really helped in that area. And I, I want to tell you this. If, if, if you can fast, if you can just drink water for a few days and spend time with God, I, I don't, there's a lot of things in the Bible that, I don't, the correlations are difficult, but you will connect with God in a way you've never thought. I mean, it's just, it's really incredible, but many people don't have the discipline to try it, you know? Uh, we had a week of prayer and fasting at the church in Lafayette one time, and a guy came in, it was the third day on Wednesday, so he had fasted Monday and Tuesday, and he came in, he came into the church, and he told me he needed to talk to me and the other pastor that was there, and he just needed to repent of sin in his life. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, well, what's he done? He's like, guys, I got to tell you, like, I did good on Monday and Tuesday, but I just went to the Burger, Burger King drive-thru and I got the triple Whopper. <laughs> I said, yeah, I don't think God can forgive that. I'm so sorry. That's the impardonable sin. Right, isn't that what I tell him? Start over tomorrow. Start over tomorrow. The, the, point, the point here is that if you've never fasted, um, do something that's going to shake your world a little bit. I mean, sometimes we fast, like we fast breakfast and lunch, then we come home and we eat a triple dinner. That, that's not fasting. I mean, really, really say, no, I'm going to conquer my flesh. I'm going to conquer King's stomach, and, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to spend time instead of thinking, preparing all these meals and all this stuff. Man, I'm, I'm just, this week I'm going to spend hours with God. Listen, some of you, You've never spent hours with God. I'm being honest, like, this hour today, like, that's your hour with God. And, and listen, that's great. But some people have never took one week where they just cut things out and they just focused on God. I'll tell you what, during the week of prayer and fasting, we have more miracles that week in people's lives than any week of the year. Now, we've had people 
that, that couldn't quit smoking. And, man, God just delivered them from that. We've had people that were alcoholics. We've had, we've had people that, uh, as a matter of fact, I'll, t- I'll tell this story every year. It's incredible. About five years ago, we had a lady that started coming to church. And, and during the week of prayer and fasting, at that time, we had morning and evening. Now we just have evening. She came every day at 6 a.m. She came every night. And uh, she did, she's the only one that week besides me that didn't miss one. And so on Thursday, I asked her, what's, what, you know, what's going on? Because I could, like, she wasn't talking to people. She was, like, focused. She was, she was in the spirit. And I said, can you tell me, like, what's going on in your life? She's like, listen, I've struggled with alcoholism my whole life. I've been to rehabs. She's like, I've, I've done everything that possibly I can do. And obviously, the rehabs haven't worked, and I need God just to deliver me just to deliver me. You know, at the end of that week of prayer and fasting, she did water only all week. I mean, spent hours and hours in prayer. You know, at the end of the week, uh, she, she's moved away, so I don't know what she's doing. But you know, at the three-year mark, she still hadn't had a drink. See, God wants to work in our lives. He wants to work. Would you say that when they say, God wants to do something special in my life? And here's the question. Do you want to allow God to do something special? I mean, are you willing? Are you willing uh, to just throw yourself at his throne and just ask him to change you from the inside out? Let's look at this real quick. We're talking about dethroning King's stomach. Uh, there's two scriptures I want to look at. The first one is in Genesis chapter 3. Of course, that's the story of Adam and Eve. Uh, they're not able to control their urges. They're not able to control their appetite. And there was one tree in the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that they were not supposed to eat of. And they actually ate of that. And what I want to say is that um, Adam and Eve literally ate themselves out of house and home. We have people today that are eating themselves out of health. They're eating themselves out of just, you know, out of things that where God wants them to be. And then an incredible scripture is in Ezekiel 16, verse 49 through 50. Now, in the Bible, anytime you hear, if you've read the Bible, anytime you hear of Sodom and Gomorrah, you think of bad things. Because in Genesis 18 and 19, we know that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin was so great. But in Ezekiel, it, it tells why. It says, now this was the sin of your sister, sister Sodom, she and her daughters, they were arrogant, they were overfed, unconcerned, they did not help the poor needy, they were haughty and did detestable things before me, therefore I did away with them as you have seen. So there's three main sins listed at Sodom and Gomorrah. Now when I read these, tell me if this does not sound uh, like some of the wealthy countries in the world today. I mean, tell me if this doesn't sound like America. Tell me if this doesn't sound like Europe. I mean, think about this. There were three main sins listed. First of all, there was no giving. There was no giving to poor, to needy, to charitable things. No giving. There was no praying. You say, well, how do you know there was no praying? It says they were arrogant and idle. If you're arrogant and idle, it means you don't feel the need to pray. And they were overfed. It says overfed. They were guilty of gluttony. Those, Those three things. So basically... They weren't giving anything to anyone in need. They, they weren't praying. They had no desire uh, to seek God's face, his direction. 
But by gluttony, what I want to, it's bigger than just food. They could not control any of their desires. They, they couldn't control themselves. They were just doing whatever they wanted to do. Now, in contrast to this, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2 through 8, Jesus teaches his disciples that there's three important principles that should be in every Christian's life. And it's the same three things that Sodom and Gomorrah were guilty of. So, listen, a lot of times people ask me, well, you know, I love the Lord, but I just don't know what he wants me to do. I'm going to give you three things this morning that he wants you to do. You know, sometimes we're so busy looking for just a, a rhema, a personal message from God of exactly what to do, when actually if we just start obeying what we know we should do, he'll speak to us very clearly on specifics later on. Look at this. It says, notice the word, the word when is used, I think, uh, seven times, which is, is, is referring to the fact that we should be doing these things. Jesus says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now the third thing. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So, three things Jesus says. When you give, when you pray, and when you fast. The three things that Sodom and Gomorrah totally did away with, Jesus tells his disciples, and when you pray, and when you give, and when you fast. And if you go back through this, not only does he tell you, that we're supposed to do these things that giving, praying, fasting are supposed to be a consistent part of a Christian's life. It also gives you great instructions on how to pray, on how to give, and on how to fast. So let's, I'm going to close up this morning with three simple, three simple uh, maybe encouragements to you. Uh, the question is this. Why is it so important to fast in the beginning of the year? And I, I believe this. Uh, the beginning of the year, it sets the course for your life. Now, if, if you're in February, don't wait to the first of the year. If you're in June, don't wait to the first of the year. Uh, we're, we're really, aren't we really good at that? We're always going to start on Monday. 
Come on, come on, start with you. We're always going to start on Monday. We're always going to start the first of the year. We're always going to start on our birthday. We're going to start on our anniversary. You know, sometimes you just got to start where you're at. You just got to dig your heels in. I'm not waiting for Monday. I'm not waiting. But in this, in this case, I believe it's when we fast and begin the year, I believe it sets the course for the upcoming year. I, I don't know about you, but I want my 2019 to be better than 2018. I want to be farther along. I want to see God do more things in my life, in this church, in, in our community. And I, listen, I believe that we are supposed to give the first of everything to God. Well, we're supposed to give everything to God, but we're, we're supposed to give the first of our time, the first of our finances, the first of our energies to God. And I believe, you know, when we start the year off and say, you know what, I'm not making plans this year. I'm not, I'm not doing anything else until I first spend time with God. I want to spend hours with God during the week of prayer and fasting. And I want to ask him this. Hey, God, what do you want me to do? See, sometimes we're asking God what we want him to do. Isn't it better if we ask God what he wants us to do? What do you have for me this year? You know, how do you want to use me this year? I, I think that's, that's, you know, a much better way to approach that. So I believe that if we actually set time aside to dedicate, uh, you know, to God, especially in the first part of the year, I believe this, that it pays dividends all year long. Now, we do have a week of prayer in, in, in the summer. That's not fasting. We do, we do, you know, prayer and fasting in January and prayer and feasting in the summer, okay? That's how that works. But yeah, you need to have more than this. But we're, I'm just trying to help you to, 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 to jumpstart. And, and the honest truth is, is that your fast in January, maybe it wears off by April and you need to, you need to do another one. You need to do something else on your own. But it sets the course for the upcoming year. The second thing it does is it, it establishes the principle of Matthew 6.33 in your life. Matthew 6.33, one of the most incredible verses. Of course, if you read all of Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 through 33, it's just talking, it's talking about that, you know, not to worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Don't, don't worry about all the things in your life. And, uh, and then in verse 33 it says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So that's the incredible thing. What this saying is, is if we can become fulfilled spiritually, the natural will be taken care of. See, we're, we're trying to use the natural realm to fill spiritual voids. I mean, we're trying to use money to fill voids. We're, we're trying to use relationships to fill voids. We're trying to use, you know, career satisfaction to fill spiritual voids. And what Jesus says, listen, I'm the only one that can fill those voids. I'm the only one that can do it. And if you seek me, if you trust me, if you put me first, I'm going to give you the things that you need anyway. But, but, but there's a trust that we have to let go. And he, here's what's the, the difficulty thing about this is when God gives us the things that we need, it usually comes in ways that we never thought about. It, it usually comes in ways that, that we haven't thought about or you call them um, unusual avenues. And 
See, we have a specific way of how we want God to work in our lives. I'll, I'll, never, I'll never forget this. Uh, you know, when Trace and I, of course, we, we got married, we're 20 years old, and we're both working, and we're not hardly making any money and going to school. And I'll, I'll never forget, there was this one time, um, now, the, the, and I, I've told you this before, the one thing that we always did was we tithed. I mean, again, college students, whatever, we went to church, we tithed. And I'll never forget, so she came to me one day, and she said, uh, you know, we don't have any money, and we don't, get, it was, we don't get paid for a week, for five days, something like that. And uh, I said, okay, well, that's a revelation there. And, uh, and we didn't have any food. We didn't have any food or anything. And so, so I thought about it for a minute. I'm like, well, you know, I know my parents love me. I mean, I know I can, if I go ask my parents, they would gladly give me whatever we needed because they don't want us to starve. But I had another thought. I'm like, let's just wait a day. We have enough for today. Let's just wait a day and let's just see. Because in the back of my mind, I did not want to go ask my dad. I did not want to go ask my dad. I mean, that, and that was, maybe that was wrong. It was a pride thing on me. So we're just, you know, but I, for some reason we weren't worried. I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't worried. But also, you know, sometimes when we need something, we just post it online and post it on social media. Sometimes just hunker down and wait for God to work. And you know, the next day, I came home from school the next day, and I went out to the mailbox, and we had like an $80 refund from an insurance company. And I remember I was so excited because way back then, $80, you know, things were a lot, first, you know, I'm so old, things were so cheap back then. $80 was like, you know. No, but that was enough for, for five days and beyond. And I just, I just remember, it's like, man, I could have, in the natural realm, it would have been easier to go ask and get money right then. But God had another way, and God already had it in the mail, and it was already coming before I knew that we needed it. And sometimes we have to quit thinking naturally. What's the best way? What's the quickest way? But we need to trust that when we're living right and doing right, God is going to meet that need. He's going to be there uh, when we need it. But many people don't get this part of, of, of seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness and then having the things, uh, you know, take, taken care of. So this is a promise in the Bible that says when we put God first, he'll take care of the rest, give God the first, and he will bless the rest. The third principle about fasting, you know, at the beginning of the year, I, I believe it creates spiritual hunger in our lives. I believe the greatest problem in Christianity today is a lack of spiritual hunger. I believe the greatest problem in church today is a lack of spiritual hunger. And, and the reason why is because we are over-blessed. I mean, just think about this. Most of the times in America and, and, and in prosperous countries, the problems we have really aren't, aren't problems. And Here's, here's, here's what, I, what I noticed. I notice when I go to places on the mission field, when I go to India, I mean, just incredibly, incre I, I cannot tell you the level of poverty. I cannot tell you the level of poverty. I mean, I've been to, I don't know, 
ten countries, whether, whether in Africa, you know, Africa, Ukraine, whatever, all over, all over the world. But in India, just incredible. But you know what they do have? They have hunger. You know, Pastor Jose, every year they do a 30, 30 days, or 21 days of prayer and fasting. And everyone in their churches does it, and all their leaders do it. Water, 21 days. Now think about this. They have 35,000 members in their churches. So, so the difference is, because they have nothing in the natural, they have to be desperate spiritually. We, they, there has to be a desperation. Somehow, church, all the things that we have, I mean, most of us in here, we spent more on Christmas than some families make in a year around the world. And somehow we got we to get through that, and we have to understand that natural things, money, fame, prosperity, all that, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. And we have to get back to the basics of, of, of spiritual hunger in our lives, hungering for the things of God. Praying that God would give us visions and dreams in our life. Believing God, you know, for miracles in, in, in our life. And Matthew 5, 6 says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. When you hunger, there's also a time of, of filling. Hunger, filling. And so spiritual hunger is, is, an, incredible, is an incredible asset uh, in our lives and but what, what I've found also is sometimes it's hard to maintain spiritual hunger. And fasting is the quickest way I know. I mean, I just can't, I can't, if you've never fasted, if you go home today and start Monday, and you don't, you don't, you just drink, just drink water on Monday and Tuesday. By Wednesday, see, I want you to tell me what your spiritual focus is like. And really begin praying and seeing God. It just changes the whole, the whole dynamics uh, in, in your life. But, but spiritual focus, it really just, it, spiritual hunger just really keeps us. What spiritual hunger does is when we look at life, we, we put the spiritual realm ahead of the natural realm. That, that, that's what it does. And are you all right this morning? Listen, y'all have been tremendous for the Sunday after Christmas. I'm telling you, usually people are falling asleep, but only about 40 or 50 of you fell asleep today. So we're doing, we're doing awesome. This is awesome.